Hey, this is Byron, and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Church. Thanks for listening to our weekly sermon podcast. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, and helps you experience life change through Jesus. For more sermons like this, blogs, resources, or opportunities to get connected, visit us at www.redemptiontx.com. What's your favorite Bible verse? Everybody kind of has a favorite Bible verse, at least Christians do. If you grew up in the church, there's some verses that are more important to others. Now, we believe that all scripture is inspired by God. It's equally um, important, but there are some verses that just stand out more. There's a lot of verses in this book. There's actually 31,102 verses. And there's a lot of verses that typically become more popular than others. So there are a lot of people who are quoting Jeremiah you know, 72. No, Jeremiah 29. That's what gets a lot of attention. So what is your favorite Bible verse? My favorite Bible verse is Mark 4, 24. With the measure that you use, it will be measured unto you. The one who has, more will be given, and the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That's my favorite Bible verse. If you're a part of redemption leadership or you serve in some capacity, you've probably heard me say this countless times because it's my favorite verse. Basically, what Jesus is saying is you get out of it what you put into it. The measure you use will be measured unto you. My wife's favorite Bible verse is 1 John 4, 19. There is no fear in love, but perfect love can casts out fear. That's a pretty good verse. What's your favorite verse? Is it Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you know that one? What about Jeremiah 29.11? For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. How about this one? Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. How many of you like that one? How many of you ever heard of 1 Corinthians 13. What about that one? Do you know that one? It's the love verse. If I quote it to you, you probably know it. How about this? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Yeah, that's a very popular verse. It's a lot of people's favorite Bible verse. You probably heard it at a wedding or maybe at a baby dedication. Maybe some of you ladies got it from a Bible bookstore on your T-shirt. Or maybe you posted it on Instagram. Hashtag love. You know that one? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It goes on to say love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never ends faith and hope and love abide but these three things the greatest of these is love do you know that one it's a popular verse now what's interesting about most of our favorite bible verses is they're oftentimes taken out of context i hate to break it to you but oftentimes a lot of your favorite bible verses are actually taken out of context now that doesn't mean that you know, I don't quote them. I quote them all the time. Doesn't mean that I don't love them, right? I love to look at your Instagram stories. Hashtag love. I'm right there with you. I love it. But oftentimes they're taken out of context. So for example, First John 4, or, um, uh, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but if you don't study, you're still not passing that algebra test. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, I prayed and I'm going to dunk a basketball. No, you're still 5'9". You ain't LeBron. No matter how many times you quote that verse over yourself, it's not going to happen. You still got to study. Right? I can do all things through Christ except for dunk. That's, that's, that's my translation. Or how about this one? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, say of the Lord, they are good and not of evil, that you might have a future with a nice, sweet, handsome man who is tall, brown hair, brown eyes, got a good job, and he can read his Bible, and he's not too emotionally attached to his mom, but just enough. <laughs> That's not what it says. <laughs> he ain't talking about your future boyfriend. What he's actually talking about is Israel being taken into Babylonian captivity for 70 years and being forced to become slaves. That's not going on a coffee cup. <laughs> or Hebrews 11, 1. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, right? Keep reading. If you get down to the bottom in Hebrews eleven thirty seven, 37, here's what it says. They were stoned and they were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute and afflicted. They made their homes in caves. Put that on a t-shirt. It ain't going there. Oftentimes our favorite verses are taken out of context and the truth is 1 Corinthians 13 is the exact same way. See, most people call this the love chapter. 
right? But it's actually not talking about love. It's actually talking about something different. It's actually talking about spiritual gifts. He's not talking so much about love nearly as much as he is talking about spiritual gifts, okay? Don't believe me? Okay, I'm gonna read it to you and I'm gonna show you, but go ahead and throw 14.1 up. 14.1 says this. It says, the greatest of these is love. Oh, love. Pursue love, but earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. We've been in a sermon series for the past couple weeks over the subject of spiritual gifts, helping you discover your gifts so that way you can make a difference. We want you to discover your gift because together as a church, we want to be able to make a difference, a difference in our church, a difference in our community, a difference in our city, and a difference in the world. And when we discover our gifts, that's when we begin to make a difference. And we've been spending the majority of our time studying 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In chapter 12, we ask the question, what are the spiritual gifts? 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, to each one is given a manifestation of the spirit. Manifestation of the spirit, spiritual gifts. It is the spirit of God being revealed through the people of God. It is a manifestation of the spirit. Then the next week, we ask the question, well, um, who gets the spiritual gifts? Or do I have a spiritual gift? And the answer is yes. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, to each one. That's you, 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 you. You, spiritual gifts. To each one is given a manifestation of the spirit. Why does God give spiritual gifts? For the common good. Because when we use our gifts, good things happen. When we discover our gifts, we make a difference. That's all 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We looked at 21 different spiritual gifts. And now he's talking about love? Well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would he go from writing about spiritual gifts in 12 and then in 14 saying, desire the spiritual gifts. And then here in 13 say, let's talk about love for a little bit. That just doesn't make any sense. I mean, here's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He's like, prophecy, speaking in tongues, distinguishing between spirits, casting out demons, faith, miracles. I'll be right back. And he goes and gets coffee. And he comes back and he sits down and says, now, where was I at? Mm, I don't know. I'll just give him a nice verse to quote at a wedding. Let's do the first Corinthians, love. And then 14.1, he's like, oh yeah, dope prophecy in tongues. Let's talk about that again. Why would he do that? Yeah, I don't think that Paul forgot. I don't think it was a lapse of his judgment or it slipped his mind. I actually think that Paul was saying something very important. Paul was teaching them how to discover their spiritual gift. Because loving others is how you discover your spiritual gift. If you have your Bibles, I'll read it to you. 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to start in 1231. The sermon title today is, How Do I Discover My Spiritual Gifts? I believe that Paul wants you to know. So go ahead, grab your Bibles. And if you didn't bring your Bible, you can read it from the fake Bible on your phone, or we'll have it up on the screen for you. I'll start in verse 31. Earnestly desire, what? The gifts. Do you desire the spiritual gifts? Do you want the spiritual gifts? Do you want to see a manifestation of the spirit for the common good in you and through you? Do you pray for the gifts? Seek, do you desire the gifts? You should, the Bible tells you to. Then we need to discover the gift and says this, and I will show you a more excellent way. There is an excellent way for you to discover your gift. It's not confusing, it's not difficult, it's not hard. God wants you to discover your gift. You don't have to go online and take a gift assessment or a test because the Apostle Paul, they didn't have the internet back then and they still discovered their gift. There is a way for you to discover your gift. There is an excellent way, there is a better way and here's what he says. If I speak in tongues, what's that? That's a spiritual gift. 1 Corinthians 13 opens up with the spiritual gifts. If I speak in tongues, but I do not have love, that I am nothing. I am a clanging gong or a noisy cymbal. If I have prophetic powers, what's that? It's a spiritual gift. But I do not have love, then it profits me nothing. If I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith and I can remove mountains, all gifts, but have not love, then I am nothing. If I give away all that I have and I deliver my body up to be burned, spiritual gifts, but do not have love, then I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Love is not irritable 
irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, spiritual gift, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, they will pass away. For now we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall be fully known even as I am fully known. So now faith, hope, love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is? 1 Corinthians 12 is all about the spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 13, love, but we want to keep it in context, so let's read the next verse. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 13 is actually about how you discover your spiritual gift, and here's the answer. It's love. Loving others is how you discover your spiritual gift. When you love others, you will discover your spiritual gift because that's the way that we discover our gift. Now, I'm going to say something controversial, but welcome to redemption, nothing new. I personally believe that Jesus possessed all of the spiritual gifts, that Jesus was the fullness in which the deity of God, he was also empowered by the Holy Spirit to do his life and ministry. I personally believe that Jesus shows us how to use our spiritual gifts, We've been studying through the Gospel of Mark here at our church. In January, we're going to jump back in. We've been two years in the book. We're only 10 chapters in. And over the course of this study of Jesus' life and ministry, what have we seen Jesus do? We've seen Jesus do incredible things. Healing. What is that? Spiritual gift. Showing mercy to those who are in need. What is that? Spiritual gift. Raising the dead. What is that? That's the gift of miracles. We've seen Jesus... Welcome others, gift of hospitality. We've seen Jesus teach, tell parables. Oh, that's the gift of teaching. We've seen Jesus call the disciples unto himself. That is the gift of leadership. And with those 12, he needed that gift. Jesus is showing us through the gospel of Mark, here's what it looks like to use your gifts. Now, Jesus possessed all of the spiritual gifts. You don't. Okay, We don't possess all of the gifts. We have access to them, but we don't possess all of them. That's why you have your gift. And that's why you have your gift. And that's why you have the gifts that God has given to you. And then when we come together as the church, Paul's favorite metaphor, 1 Corinthians 12, is we become the body of Christ. See, Jesus is in heaven. The church is here on earth. And we are the living representation of Jesus in the world. So when people see the church, they should see Jesus because we are the body of Christ. And so when we come together as a church and you bring your gift and you use your gifts and you use your gifts and we come together, then our ministry begins to look a lot more like Jesus' ministry. And here's what Jesus did. He did amazing things. Preaching, teaching, healing, casting out demons, spiritual gifts. My favorite gift that he uses is whenever he gets 5,000 people together, he takes a little boy's Lunchable, he breaks it, and then he feeds all of the crowd. Remember that? Just a couple of loaves and a couple of fish. He feeds 5,000 people. Do you know how he does it? He has a group of 100 sit over here. He has a group of 50 sit over here. And then he breaks others up into 500s and into thousands. You know what that's called? That's called the gift of ministration. Jesus has all of the gifts. And you know what he was defined by? His love. Do you know why Jesus did those things? Because he loved the people. Do you know why Jesus healed? Because he loved. Do you know why Jesus served? The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve spiritual gift. Why? Because he loves. Do you know why Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead? Because he loved. Everything Jesus did was because of his love. Because that's how we use our gifts. Love is how we use our gifts. I was talking with a pastor friend of mine who actually flows in what is known as the prophetic ministry. And I get skeptical about some of that stuff, but this man, I trust him, he's humble, I believe him, and I've seen his ministry. And we were talking and we asked him, how did you discover that you had this gift? And he says, quite by accident, that he was in a mission trip down in the Dominican Republic, and he was just there to paint orphanages and put a roof on someone's house, you know? And as he was down there, they went to this big crusade, and there was a pastor preaching. Thousands of people showed up, and the pastor got up and said, you have a word for us. 
Come here. And then he was like, me? Oh, no, I, I'm, I'm not here. I'm just, I'm just here to watch. Like, I don't know. He's like, come up here. You have a word. And so the guy came up, and he was like, okay, now I want you to, I want you to preach tonight. How many of you would be freaking out? Yeah, I would be freaking out, too. All right, he's like, I've never preached a sermon. I've never prepared anything. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. And so he thought, I'm just going to tell my testimony. And so he began to share his testimony. And then he began to teach the gospel. And then within 30 minutes, he was prophesying. They had a prayer line, and he was praying for healing over others. Discovered it by accident. We asked him, how did you discover that you had that? You know what he said? Because I felt a love for the people. Loving others is how you discover your spiritual gift. How many of you want to discover your spiritual gift? This whole series, you've been like, what is my gift? What does God have for me? What place do I have in this body? I want to discover what my gift is. You know, you've been listening to the sermons, downloading the Rundown podcast. You grab the sheets of paper in the back that were illustrated by an artist in our church. It's got Bible studies and descriptions and definitions and places that you can serve. And you've been going home seeking, eagerly desiring, praying, God, what is my gift? God, would you help me discover my gift. How many of you want to make a difference in the world? How many of you want to discover your gift? Do you know how you do it? By loving others. Loving others is how you discover your spiritual gift. I I want you to understand something, that the gifts that God gives are not for you. The gifts that God gives come from God to you, but they are for other people. That God loves other people, and he wants to do that through you. God wants to help other people, and he does that through you. God wants to bless other people, and he does that through you. The gifts of God are not meant to terminate on you, but to flow through you. They are God's way to get you involved in his kingdom mission around the world. The gifts come from God to you, but they are designed so that you can be a blessing to others. That's the goal of the gifts. God wants you to get involved in what he is doing in the world. So he gives us spiritual gifts. The gifts are not for you. The gifts are to flow through you. Whenever we pray for someone, that's us loving them. Whenever we're helping someone, that's us loving them. Whenever we're encouraging someone, that's us loving them. Whenever we are speaking life into someone through a prophetic word, that is encouraging them, that is building them up, that is edifying the body, that is us loving them. When we love others, others, we will discover our spiritual gifts. Whenever we're using our gifts as a church, here's what people should say. Wow, it feels as if God showed up and he was loving you through me. That's what people should say. Because that's exactly what a spiritual gift. It is the manifestation of the spirit. It is the spirit of God being revealed through the people of God. It is God loving others through you. And when you love others, you will discover your spiritual gift. It's all about love. How many of you would like to discover your gift? Hey, Paul's going to teach us that it needs to come from loving others. So he's going to tell us three things about loving others. First, he's going to tell us the preeminence of loving others. Big fancy college word, but all of these have P's in it, and so I had to, importance wouldn't count, so I just need to, the three P's of loving one another, right? Preeminence. I needed to come up with something. There you go. That's my, me being clever. The preeminence of love. Here's what it says. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, then I am a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. If I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, then I am nothing. If I give away all that I have and I deliver my body up to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Here Paul says, if you can speak in tongues of men and angels, but you don't have love, then you are a clanging gong. You are a noisy symbol and it does not count. You gain nothing. So what I want to do is I want to illustrate this for you. So I've asked my friend David. David, where are you at? My friend David. David's going to come up and he's going to help me illustrate this. Everybody give David a big, 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 big round of applause. David, we love you. Hey, David's got a heart for the house. Amen. Hey, David's been with us since day one. You came to the grand opening, yep. 2016, right? Yep. And then you jumped in, and you've been playing keyboards and piano for us, or keytar sometimes. Sometimes he's got the keytar. And so what I've done is I've asked David, he's going to come up here, and he's going to play us a song. David's going to show us what love looks like. When you use your gifts with love, this is what it looks like. So, so David, would you go ahead and play us a song? David, 
Great job. Now get out of the way. You ready for this? Yes. Was that Coldplay? What are we playing? No. <laughs> I got this. David sounds like love. One more. Everybody give David a big round of applause. When you use your gifts with love, you sound like David. It's a beautiful symphony. When you use your gifts without love, you sound like me. A noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. You are me crashing on the keys when you use your gifts without love. Now, how many of you are going to come back next week when I'm leading worship? <laughs> Thank you for that gift of faith you have. <laughs> right? You're like, I'm not going back to that church ever again if he's leading worship, right? Now, why in the world would anyone ever come back to our church if we don't love? Say, but we have the gifts, but you ain't got love, and so it don't count. See, the church is not lacking in gifts. The church is lacking in love. The church has the gifts. Every single Christian has been given a spiritual gift. The moment they become a Christian, you receive the Holy Spirit, you get spiritual gifts. Whether you ask for them or not, he gave them to you. Every church has spiritual gifts. The church is not lacking in gifts. The church is lacking in love. You have the gifts but you don't have love, guess what? It doesn't count. But I speak in tongues, and you're a jerk. It doesn't count. See, so, but I, I gave everything I have away. I cut a big $2 million check to heart for the house. I believe, but I gave. And then when you get to heaven, God will not cash that check for you because it was not done in love. See, but I, I have the gift of faith. I can say to this mountain, throw into the sea, and it obeyed me. But you don't have love, it does not count. You say, but I can prophesy. I know the future. I have a word from God for you. But if you are not filled with love, then we don't want to hear it because that's not from God. It does not count. You are a noisy gong. You are a clanging cymbal if you don't have love. We've been talking about 1 Corinthians 12 as we're studying the spiritual gifts, but there's another section of scripture in Galatians 5 where the Apostle Paul, he writes what is known as the fruit of the Spirit. All right, how many of you are familiar with the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, right? Okay, that's the fruit of the Spirit. First one on the list, love. There's a difference between the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit. Right, the fruit of the Spirit is what God does in you, the gifts of the Spirit is what God does through you. And if God ain't doing nothing in you, he ain't going to do nothing through you. Love is preeminent. Here's what Paul wants you to know. The fruit of the Spirit is more important than the gifts of the Spirit. You say, but I have the gifts, but you don't have character. I'm gifted, but you don't have character. Spiritual gifts is not necessarily character. Character matters most. The fruit matters most. The most important thing is not the gifts of the Spirit, but it is the fruit of the Spirit. It is love. How are you loving others? How are you using your gift to bless others? How are you serving others? How are you helping others? How are you being, bringing life to others? Because the fruit is more important than the gifts. What does love look like in your life? If you don't have love, it doesn't count. Good. If you don't have love, it does not count. You're like a noisy gong. You're a clanging cymbal. You are me on the keyboards. Doesn't count. But what if we flip the script? What if we say this? If you speak in the tongues of men and angels and you have love, then what happens? It is a beautiful symphony. It is music of heaven here on earth. If you have prophetic powers and you have love, that word could change a person's life. If you have the gift of giving and you give with love, do you know what? It'll change a life. 
if we learn to use our gifts with love, that is when we begin to see a gospel-centered movement in the heart of this city where every man, woman, and child experiences life change through Jesus because love is preeminence. He says it's about love. The next thing he tells us is this. He's gonna tell us the principles of loving others. What does it look like for us to use our gifts in the church? What does it look like for us to love others in the church? Remember, gifts and love, they go together. That if you love others, you'll use your gifts. And if you use your gifts, you need to learn to love others. What does it look like for us as a church as we're discovering our gifts? Here's what Paul tells us as he gets into the principles of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoings. It rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things. Love hopes all things. It endures all things. What I love so much about this section of scripture is that it goes to show that love is more than just a feeling, but it's actually a choice. Right, love is not less than a feeling, but it is more than a feeling. We live in a day and age where everybody is obsessed with love. Love me, love this, love, I love love. Give me love, nobody loves me, I don't feel loved. It's amazing that in a world that's so led by its feelings about love, nobody actually feels loved. It's because, well, that's not really what love is. You need to understand that love is more than just a feeling, love is a choice, and here's what I've discovered, is that oftentimes my feelings follow my choices. That even if I don't feel like it, I still choose to do it, and then my feelings catch up with my choices. Okay, so I, I love my wife, Ashley. I love my daughters, Esther and Ruth. I love my church, I love you. Right? I love going to the gym, and I love tacos. Tacos in the gym do not love each other. <laughs> Sometimes my love for tacos beats out my love for the gym. That's when I have to choose the gym over tacos. Do you see what I'm saying? I have to make the wise choice. I have to make the right choice. Even when I feel like tacos, I need to go to the gym. Me and Ashley have been married for 11 years, dating for 14, right? There are some days, if you ask her, she may not feel like she loves me. But praise the Lord that every single morning she remembers the covenant we made and she made the choice to love me that day. All right, I have two beautiful little girls. Some days, <laughs> I want you to know, I have hid from my daughters. <laughs> Don't laugh, because you know you've done it too. I have straight up hid from my little girl. Esther be like, Daddy, you want to play hide and seek? I'm like, yeah, babe, you go hide. <laughs> I get five minutes by myself. <laughs> Don't lie, you've done it. This is church, safe place. But I choose to love them even when I don't feel like it. See, love is more than just a feeling, love is a choice. Now, because we live in a day to where everybody thinks love is a feeling, when it comes to church, that changes your perception. I don't feel like going to church today. I just didn't really feel worship today. You ever just not feel worship? I just didn't feel worship. I thought we were supposed to choose to worship. Well, I just don't feel like going to my community group. I don't feel like being in a serve team. I don't feel it. I just don't feel it. It's not the same. I just don't feel it. Okay, well, that's when you need to remember the choice that you've made. See, love is more than just a feeling. Love is a choice. This is why Paul refers to us as the body of Christ. His favorite illustration is that we are to be members of a church. And it's a covenant, that's a commitment, that is a choice that you make. You say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be here for the better. I'm gonna be here to make it better. And I'm making a choice today that I'm gonna make my church better. I'm making a choice today that I'm gonna love my church and I'm gonna love others. That's what Paul's getting at because the principles of love are really the governing principles of the church. And so you can't really just feel patient. You have to choose to be patient, right? Kindness is not a feeling, kindness is a choice. Love is not just what you say or how you feel, love is also what you do. And so he's saying like, if you love your church and you use your gifts to love others, then this is what's gonna happen. This is what love really looks like. Here's what he gets. He gives us eight different things that love looks like. The first thing he says is, love is patient. Okay, just be honest. Sometimes church people are gonna get on your nerves. You're like, nobody here gets on my nerves. That's because you're the one who gets on everybody's nerves. <laughs> If you've been a part of a church and you have not been annoyed, like you're the annoying one. 
But you know what? We have to be patient with one another. We still have to be patient with one another. Right, I don't tell you this for sympathy, just getting it out there in the open. I'm a young pastor. This is my first time to ever be a lead pastor. I need patience. Not with you, some of you. (laughs) But y'all need patience with me. I'm still learning how to use my gifts. I'm still growing in all of this. I'm still learning how to preach every single week. I'm still learning how to put together sermons and lead and do counseling and mentoring. I'm still learning all of these things. So thank you for being patient with me. A lot of the leaders, first time to ever learn to be leaders, a lot of the deacons in our church have actually been saved in our church. You know what they're going to need? Patience. I was talking with a girl. She's doing an internship here with us and during her winter break, and she serves all three services, and she grew up in the church her entire life. And this week, she said, Pastor Byron, what are you preaching on? I said, 1 Corinthians 13. She's like, oh, yeah, love is patient. I was like, no, that's a spiritual gift. She's like, what? Speaking tongues, men and names. Oh, my God, this is all about spirit. I've never once heard about the spiritual gifts. She took a paper home. She's been praying. Her team's been encouraging her, building up. She's discovered her gifts. But you know what? She's been in church for 18 years, and she never was told she was important or special or gifted by God. Do you know what she needs from us? She needs for us to build her up. She needs for us to be patient with her. For many of you, this is the first time you've heard any of this. 85 brand new Christians in the last year. Do you know what new Christians bring along with them? They bring problems, they bring questions, they bring difficulties. And so you know what they need from us? Patience. For those of you who've been following Jesus for a long time, I'm just to be honest with you, you could come to Redemption Church and you can get a little annoyed. You say, well, how come people are doing this? And how come they're not doing this? And why aren't they doing this? And don't you think they should be doing this? And you should see all the things that are going around. And you say, there's so many new Christians in this church. And you should see that as an opportunity for ministry and for you to be patient with them. For you to come along and say, you know what? I was exactly there this time last year. And I would love to be able to help you. That's, that's what we should do as a church. We should be patient with one another. Instead of expecting all these new Christians to become senior saints in just a day, like what, you think they gave their life to Jesus, they're gonna memorize Wayne Grudem? The moment they get baptized, you think they're just gonna all of a sudden have everything together? No, you know what they need? They need patience. Amen. That's good. And so we're learning to use our gifts. We're learning to be a church. We're learning to love one another, which means love is patient. We need to be patient with each other, especially when it comes to using our gifts. The next one is love is kind. Now, I might be crazy. Personally, I think the church should be a place that's known for kindness. Anybody else? Because you don't know what somebody's walking through. You don't know what somebody's going through. You don't know how hard it was for them just to get in the doors. Like, they might have gotten a fight with their spouse, right? Their kid might have lost a shoe, and they had to turn around and go back, right? They might have a terrible Saturday night. You don't know what someone's walking through. Somebody might have, you know, the wife said, we're getting a divorce this week. You don't know. Somebody might have got a diagnosis of cancer at the hospital. Somebody might have been hurt. Somebody might have had something traumatic or tragic happen to them, And when you come to church, oftentimes people just put a smile on, but you don't know what someone else is walking through. You don't know what they're going through. And so it took every ounce of effort for them to just walk through the doors. And the last thing they need is a judgmental stare or a cold shoulder from you. What they need instead is a handshake. They need a hot cup of coffee. They need an encouraging word. You made it today. I'm so glad that you're here. You look amazing. That's what they need. And you know what all of those things are? Spiritual gifts. A handshake is the gift of hospitality. A hot cup of coffee is the gift of serving. You look amazing today. That's the gift of exhortation. Spiritual gifts make us kind. When we use our gifts, we become kind and we begin to love one another. Church should be a place where we're kind, but also not envious. One of the things I've been hammering so hard during this series is not to get caught up in the trap of gift envy. Not to get caught up in the trap of comparing your gift with other gifts. Oh, you have that gift, and they have that gift. I have this gift. I must not be as special. They have the gift of miracles? Wow, fire from heaven. Boom, I love it. I have the gift of helps. Uh, Hey, could I help with that fire from heaven? (laughs) Or you're like, oh, they have the gift of tongues. And then you're like, oh, they have the gift of tongues. Right, you can get caught up in this gift comparison. Right? You're like, I have the gift of administration. I'll just be over here with my clipboard and Excel spreadsheet. Like, you can get very discouraged when you see some gifts and other gifts. I want you to know that that's not true. That's not the way that it ever should be. Because God is a father who gives gifts to his kids. It's Christmas time. I got my gifts for my daughters. And they're getting different gifts, but I love them equally. 
The father does not play favorites when it comes to his kids, and the father does not play favorites when it comes to the gifts. He gives you one gift, he gives them gifts, so that when we come together, he is our father and we are our family and we use our gifts together. There is no comparison between the gifts, right? Because God loves us equally, God saves us equally, God gifts us equally, and so there should be no envy in the family of God. So don't get caught up in this. I grew up in a church where some people were just put up on a stage because they had certain gifts and other people were made to feel less important. I want you to know that's not true. Everyone is equally important, equally loved, equally saved, equally served, equally gifted in this church because there is no envy in the kingdom of God. There is no envy in love. The next is love is not arrogant. Now, my prayer for you during this series is that you would discover your gift. But here's the thing that I want you to watch out for. Do not allow your gift to become your identity. You are not your gift. The gift is your activity. Your identity is loved. Loved is your identity. Love is who you are, right? The gifts is what you do. So I meet people that are like, I am a prophet. You must let me prophesy. I speak in tongues. You must let me speak in tongues. I am a teacher. You have to let me teach. No, I don't. I don't let you do anything. I am an administrator. I must administrate. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Hear me on this. You are not your gift. You are loved. You are a Christian who loves others by using your gifts. And if you get these two confused, you end up in a really bad spot. If you become, if you think that your identity comes from your gifts, you got it wrong. Because you don't achieve your gifts, you receive the gifts. The gifts are not your identity, the gifts are your activity. And if you make your gifts your identity, you are guilty of idolatry. Because now it's become about the gifts and it's no longer about the giver and it's all about you and it's not about others. You got to hear me on this. You are not what you do. You are who he says you are. You are loved. And one of the ways you love others is through your gifts. So right, I'm a teacher, right? No, I'm a Christian who teaches the Bible because I love others. Say, I'm a prophet. No, you are a Christian who loves others and you prophesy in people's lives. Say, I am a servant. Okay, great. But you are a Christian who loves to serve others. Do you see what I'm saying here? Don't get them backwards. Your identity is not your activity. Your identity is loved. That's where you become arrogant and love is not arrogant. The next one is love is not rude. You have to remember that church is not about you, okay? Right, church is the one place in the world that's actually not about you. I know you probably never heard that before because you're a special snowflake, but <laughs> church is not about you. Church is not about you. Everywhere else, all about you. Church, not about you. Church is about God and others. Church is about the person sitting next to you. Church is about the person who's not sitting next to you, and they should be. That's who church is for. Jesus says it like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your self? No, neighbor as yourself. See, the Bible assumes you already love yourself. He just says, why don't you go love someone else for a little bit? That's church. That you worship God and you serve others. That you bless God and you bless others. That you love God and you love others. That's the great commandment. And so when we come to church, it's not about you, it's about love of God and love of others. And when you come to church and you make it all about you, guess what? That's rude. Don't do that. Don't be rude. When you walk in and demand your own way, hey, I didn't like the worship and I need this and the line was too long to check my kids in and the coffee was burnt and you know that sermon went too long and Bo had an earring. Like, it's all about you now. <laughs> church is not about you. Church is about love of God and love of others. And so what would church look like instead if we did this? What if you woke up on Sunday morning just a little bit early? Didn't hit your snooze button, but you actually got up a little bit early and you said, okay, God, I'm going to church today. I want to bless somebody. Lord, as I'm praying, God, we've been talking about spiritual gifts and that gift of giving, I'd really like to have that. Lord, could you highlight maybe a single mom in our church with a couple of kids and it is the Christmas season, God. Would you just highlight them in my heart so I can just slip them a $100 bill just to let them know I love them? What would it look like if on a Sunday morning before you came to church, you said, my pastor's gonna preach, so God, I'm just gonna pray that you would give him the gift of teaching to be able to clearly articulate the word of God so people can hear and understand in a way that they would give their lives to Jesus and they would never be the same again. What would it look like if you woke up in the morning and you spent just 30 minutes in prayer before the coffee, before the kids, before trying to get everybody ready, and you said, okay, God, they've been talking about prophetic words in the church. 
What would it look like, God? Could you just give me a word for somebody so I can encourage them this morning? And then you're praying for people and God puts somebody in your heart and God gives you a Bible verse and God gives you a word and then you go up to him and say, I was praying for you this morning and I believe, I feel, maybe, possibly, I don't know, it's a little weird, but I think God gave me a word for you. Can we go to the prayer line and can we share this and can we pray together? Because I believe that God wants to speak to you. What would it look like if you woke up early in the morning and you said, God, would you give me the gift of exhortation? Would you show me somebody who's broken and beat up and defeated and their shoulders are slumped? And God, could you just let me say a kind word to someone that would change their life forever? God, would you give me the gift of serving? God, I want the gift of serving so when I do walk in the lobby, it may not be my day on the serve team, but if I see an empty coffee cup, I'm not gonna walk past it. I'm gonna bend down, pick it up, and throw it in the trash because I love my church. What would that look like? That's what the church should be. It's love of God, it's love of others. And when you come to church and it's all about you and what you want and how you feel and what you do, that's rude because there's people here who need your gifts. And when it's about you, you don't use your gifts. Love is not rude. Love, he goes on, and here's what he says, it is not irritable, that we should not get irritable when things don't go our way. Like for those of you who are more prone to the gifts, I want you to understand something, that you are a blessing to our church. And you might be following Jesus for a long time. Praise the Lord for you. We are so glad that you are here. Thank you so much. I love the older saints who are coming into our church. It is incredible. Gray hairs. We love you. And you can get around some of these other people, and, and you can get a little frustrated. You can become irritable. But I want you to understand something is that frustration is really an invitation to ministry. Right? Not irritability. Irritability is a sign of immaturity. If you come into our church and you're like, I am the most mature person here. No, you're not. You just lost all your maturity. You know, we've actually had people leave our church because they said they were more mature than anybody else. I was like, oh, you just lost all your maturity. Because what mature Christians realize is that irritability is a sign of immaturity, and mature Christians realize that frustration is really an invitation to, to do ministry. If you realize there's not anybody here with that spiritual gift, maybe that's because you're the one with the gift, and God brought you here so you can help. You say, well, nobody's discipling others. Are you discipling others? Okay, well, maybe you should disciple others and quit blaming others for not doing what you're not even willing to do yourself. Right, and you get all irritable. I don't see the gifts in operation in this church. Well, do you have the gifts? Okay, well, then operate. <laughs> I mean, frustration is an invitation to ministry. And I praise God for the more senior saints who realize that there are young believers in this, and they spent the last 20 years sitting on the sidelines in some other church, and they decided, you know what? Redemption's my home. I'm going to get up, start mentoring, discipling, helping, because I believe that the best is yet to come, and I'm pouring the last years of my life into this church. That's, so good. That's what Christian maturity looks like. Love is not irritable. The next is, love is not resentful. If you want to waste your gift, hate somebody else. You will never use your gift if you don't love someone else. If you are building up, harboring resentment towards others, you're robbing yourself of God's purpose for your life. You will never use your gifts if you don't love others. How are you going to use your gift if you don't love someone, if you can't even look at someone? If you're like, they walk through the doors, I can't stand to be around them, I can't be around here, I gotta go, I gotta go. You're never gonna use your gift because you don't love them, and if you can't look at them, man, you're gonna miss God's plan for your life. Bitterness, resentment robs you. It hurts you. The other person probably don't even know about it. They're just walking in perfectly fine. What's wrong with them? Oh, you're the one with bitterness, right? Bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting them to die. You're only killing you, you're only hurting you, you're only robbing you. That resentment, you will not use your gifts as long as you are upset and bitter towards another person. Let that junk go. I mean, just you got to do it because it's hurting you and it's preventing you from using your gifts. Resentment, keeping records of wrongs, unforgiveness towards another person robs you of what God wants to do in your life. The next one, the last one is this. It's truthful. It says love is truthful, right? Not only is it truthful, it rejoices in the truth. Right? It doesn't beat people up with the truth. It doesn't scream at them with the truth. I'm being truthful, but I don't feel like you're very loving. Right? It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. Oh, you messed up, you made a mistake, I told you so, I knew it was gonna happen. Right? No, 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 here's what it does. It rejoices in what? The truth. 
That when people discover the truth, it rejoices. When people meet Jesus, it rejoices. When people get saved, it rejoices. When people get baptized, it rejoices. When people find purpose, it rejoices. When people repent of sin, it rejoices. When people discover their passions, it rejoices. When people discover their spiritual gifts, here's what love does. Love, it rejoices. Love, it rejoices over others. That's what love does. Love is, a, love is the way that we discover our gifts. These are the guiding principles that Paul uses for what a church should look like when it's discovering their spiritual gifts. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love keeps no records of wrong, love rejoices in the truth. Do you wanna discover your spiritual gifts? Here's how you do it, you love others. That's all you gotta do, just love others. Be patient. Be joyful in the truth. Love others and you will discover your spiritual gift. Do you love your church? Do you love what Jesus is doing in the church? You should, because Jesus is doing a lot of things. This year alone, we've seen God move in incredible ways that we have grown by 156%. That's not even a number. That's what God's been doing in our church. The average church grows by 15 to 20% if they're healthy. We moved into this building, doubled in size within the first six months. God has been doing amazing things. The first year of our church, year one, we had an $80,000 budget as a church. Okay, you know how much money we spent in year one? $79,000. This year, with the Heart for the House offering, we hit our goal, go above and beyond. We might break $300,000 in a budget for a church. It's incredible to see what God is doing here in the life of redemption. 85 brand new believers just this year alone. We launched three services. We got 50 kiddos in the back learning about Jesus, making friends, having fun. It's incredible to see what God is doing in our church because you love your church and you've been to do all of those things. You know how God did that? You were using your spiritual gifts and you didn't even know it. You know how you use your gift? Because you love the church. And as you love the church, you use your gifts. You were using your gifts this whole time and you did not even know it yet. But when you love others, guess what? You discover your gift. If you want to know what a church should look like, this is what it should look like. It should look like a church that's loving others and discovering their gifts together. Which leads to the last thing that he says. It's the preeminence of love. He's told us about the preeminence. He's told us about the principles. And now he's going to tell us about the permanence of love. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. For tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For now we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I thought like a child. I spoke like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall be fully known, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is Love. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Now, remember back in week one, whenever I told you the goal of this series is not to debate the gifts, but to discover the gifts. Do you all remember that? So we don't want to debate the gifts. A lot of people debate the gifts, but we don't want to debate the gifts. We want to discover the gifts. And I said, if you want to debate the gifts, you can email Ethan at redemption.com. Remember that? Redemption. Did you email Ethan? Ethan? Any? Nope. No email. So thank you so much for that. No debating the gifts. So here's what I want to do. I want to debate the gifts just a little bit. <laughs> Some of you grew up in churches or denominations where they told you, no, we don't talk about spiritual gifts because when we do, that stuff gets crazy. Right? And, and then you were taught maybe that the gifts had ceased. The miraculous sign gifts at 1 Corinthians 12 were no longer in operation. We don't need them. Churches have got them. They're lying or they're crazy or maybe demon-possessed. So we stay away from that stuff. We are, we don't believe in that. Okay, some of you grew up in that tradition. And I want you to know that I have a lot of pastors that I love and respect, that I listen to, even friends who hold that position. We do not hold that position here at Redemption. And as you're reading it, you're like, how did they come up with this? Okay, it's this word right here. Cease. It's a doctrine known as cessationism. And no, that's not what Texas wants to do, to secede. It is to cease, to stop, cessationism. Okay, and so it comes from this word right here. If you look in your Bibles, it's, it's this word cease. He says, prophecies will pass away. Tongues will cease. Knowledge will pass away. Here's how he says it. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So what those say is that the gifts are no longer in operation. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. It says they will pass away. Ergo, no gifts. And it comes from this one word right here, 
the perfect. When the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And so the question is, what is the perfect? When the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So what is the perfect? Well, a couple different things. Some people say the perfect is the church. When the church comes, then the gifts will cease. Now, how many of you have ever been to a perfect church? Perfect church doesn't exist. If you join the perfect church, just so you know, that's called a cult. <laughs> You're like, hey, we got you these Nikes. You're like, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, and Kool-Aid. No, run. There is no such thing as a perfect church because people aren't perfect. As long as there are people in a church, it's not necessarily going to be perfect. You can love your church. There's great churches. But I wouldn't say it's perfect because people aren't perfect. And so if the church is not yet perfect, then guess what? We need the gifts. The other thing, some people say they, it's the Bible. Right, when the Bible is written, whenever the final apostle died and he wrote the last book of the Bible and he crossed the final T and he dotted the lowercase j, you think, the gifts have gone. No more gifts. The Bible is completed. We have the Bible, so we don't need the gifts anymore. Now listen, I love the Bible. I believe the Bible. My whole goal, my life goal, is to preach from Genesis through Revelation, 66 books. I want to preach straight through every single book of the Bible. That's how we built our church. What are our core values? Expository preaching. We love the book. We're people love the book. We believe the Bible. But here's the deal. When I read my Bible, I read verses like this. Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. So why would the Bible tell me to do something that was bad for me? Why would the Bible tell me to do something that is wrong? Why would the Bible tell me, desire the gifts, and the guy go, ha ha, too late, Byron, no gifts for you? He wouldn't do that. It's the Bible itself that tells me, pursue love, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. So I don't believe it's the Bible either. So what is the perfect? Here you go. The perfect is Jesus. Jesus is the perfect. When the perfect comes, or when Jesus comes, the partial will pass away. The perfect is the second coming of Jesus, that Jesus died in our place for our sins. He ascended to the right hand of the Father, where one day he is coming back for his church. And when Jesus comes back, the gifts will cease. When Jesus comes back, he's going to right every wrong. He's going to wipe away every tear. He's going to crush every fear. Satan has been totally, completely defeated, thrown into the pits of hell. There's a new creation, a new heavens, new earth, new Jerusalem, resurrected body, the way that God always intended to be. When Jesus comes back, no spiritual gifts. The gifts are temporary. Love Love is permanent. When Jesus loves you, he means it. When Jesus saves you, he means it. When Jesus changes you, he means it. Love never ends. When Jesus comes back, love. But you know what? You will not have your spiritual gifts in heaven. So in a sense, I am a cessationist, just not today. In heaven, I'll be a cessationist. We'll all be cessationists in heaven. The gifts are temporary, but love is permanent. You know, when you get to heaven, you won't need spiritual gifts. Like, you're not going to need the gift of prophecy in heaven. You know why? Because if you need a word from God, you can just go talk to him. Hey, God? Yes? <laughs> so much better than just getting a prophetic word, because you can just get a word directly from him. In heaven, you will not need the gift of tongues. Do you know why? Because everybody's going to speak in tongues. It's a heavenly language. You're in heaven. There you go. Tongues. All the Baptists just got really nervous. <laughs> You're not going to need the gift of evangelism in heaven. You know why? Because they already made it. You're not going to need the gift of hospitality. Would you like to come to my mansion in heaven? No, thank you. I have my own. You don't need it. You're not going to need the gift of serving in heaven. You know why? Because there is no trash on the streets of gold. There's no need for the gifts in heaven, which means that we need to learn to use them today. You need to learn to use your gifts before you lose your gifts. There will be a day that you will not have gifts, but you will have love. And the decisions that you make right now determine the way that you live forever. You need to learn to use your gifts today before you lose your gifts. You have a chance, you have a moment, you have an opportunity in your life to discover your gifts by loving others. And if you use your gifts today, you don't know what God's gonna do with those gifts tomorrow. That you're not taking tongues with you, you're not taking prophecy with you, you're not taking administration with you. You know what the only thing you can take to heaven is? Other people. 
And when you use your gifts to love other people, heaven is populated, hell is empty. You're using your gifts. More people meet Jesus. More people get saved. More people get baptized. More lives get changed when you use your gifts to love others because love never ends. Learn to use your gifts before you lose the gifts. And when you use your gifts, you never know what God's gonna do as you're loving someone as you're helping someone, as you're serving someone, as you're blessing someone, using your gifts to love others. Love never ends, so make it count today. Which leads to the last thing. People ask, well, if the gifts are gonna cease, does that mean that I don't need them? I shouldn't pray for them? I shouldn't ask them? No, 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 it means the opposite. It means that you should learn to discover them. So does that mean that we shouldn't seek? No, you should seek, you should pray, take the paper home, go home, study it. It means we need to desire the gifts. And here's how I want to close this whole series. 13.1. If you have your Bible, once you look down at it, very important. If you forget everything that I said throughout the course of this series, please remember this one thing. This one verse. 1 Corinthians 14.1. Pursue love, but earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Pursue love, but earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. As a church, we need to desire the gifts, but we will be defined by our love. Amen. We will desire the gifts, but we will be defined by our love. Redemption Church should never be known as the tongue church. That's kind of gross. <laughs> but we should be the church that loves. Redemption Church should never be known as the prophecy church, the healing church, the administrating church, but we should be known as a church that loves. Do we desire the gifts? You bet, yes, absolutely, but we will be defined by our love. Do you know what Jesus says? And the world will know you are my disciples because you speak in tongues. No. The world will know you are my disciples because you have the spiritual gifts. No. He says, the world will know you are my disciples because of the love that you have for one another. We will desire the gifts, but here at Redemption Church, we will be defined by our love. That when you invite your friends to church, they will say, this is a place where I feel loved. You go to Redemption, that's that church that loves others, right? Oh, you're inviting your husband to church? Okay, this is a church that will love others. Whenever you're talking to your coworkers or classmates, where do you go? Redemption. Oh, that's that church that loves. And the city will hear about us. And they say, amen, I might not agree with them, but I cannot deny the love that they have. We will desire the gifts, but by God's grace, this will be a church that will be defined by our love. Just in the same way that people take the Bible out of context, where they'll focus on love and they'll forget about the gifts. Let us not move so far in the other direction to where we focus on the gifts and we forget about love. I don't wanna be a church that takes the Bible out of context. I want to be a church that lives in the context of what God intends for us. And so here's what I want to do. I believe that Jesus possesses the fullness of all of the spiritual gifts. And you know what Jesus was defined by? His love. And you can replace love with Jesus' name in here, and it just really makes a lot of sense. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus is not envious. Jesus is not arrogant. Jesus is not rude. Jesus is not irritable. Jesus is not resentful. Jesus is truthful. Jesus bears all things, believes all things. Jesus hopes all things. Jesus endures to the very end. That's who Jesus is. But remember, the church is a living representation in the body of Christ in the world. So when people see us, they should see Jesus. So we should be able to take the word love and replace it with redemption. And that's the type of church we need to be. Yes, sir. Do you think we could put that, our name in there right now? I think we have room to grow. And I would love for you to help us grow by discovering your gifts so you can make a difference. So here's what I wanna do. 2019 was amazing, but 2020 is on its way. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to know 2019 was the year we discovered our gifts, but 2020 is the year that we make a difference yeah. by using our gifts. Yeah. 
So here's what I want you to do. I want you to prophetically declare this together as a church. Instead of love, I want to put the word redemption in there. Do you want to see your church be a loving church? Do you want to see your church be a church where people know that they are loved? Do you want to be a church where we are known by our love? Do you want to be a church that desires the gifts but is defined by love? Do you want to be the type of church that discovers the gifts so they can make a difference? Is that the type of church that you want to be? If so, then please stand with me and prophetically declare this over 2020 here at Redemption. Instead of love, I want you to replace it with redemption. Say it with me together. Redemption is patient. Redemption is kind. Redemption is not envious. Redemption is not arrogant. Redemption is not rude. Redemption is not irritable. Redemption is not resentful. And Redemption Church is truthful. We bear all things. We believe all things. We hope all things. We endure till the very end. Redemption Church. Discover your gifts so that together we can make a difference. Well, thanks again for tuning in with us here at Redemption Church. If this message was helpful to you in any way, leave a review, like, comment, or share with your friends to help others experience life change through Jesus. Oh.